Hey, everybody, what's up? It's your boy, MJ. Hey, man, I'm excited to announce a great community and platform that I've been working with called Rare Liquid. Uh, you know, a couple months ago, I was at an incredible event in Paso Robles with the Rare Liquid team and their founding artist and producer, Turtle Rock Vineyards. Uh, you might remember this was my number one wine from 2021, my famous Blackberry Cobbler a la mode motherfucker. Uh, Rare Liquid is really cool. They're building a network of artists and producers, collectors, and storage providers to solve the provenance problem for the rare wine and spirit industry. Members get access to verified limited edition drops from elite producers and can frictionlessly share, trade, gift, and monetize their collections. While for the first time in history, artists and producers can earn a royalty payment every time their bottles trade on the platform. Rare Liquid is expanding to 560 members through their invite-only Founders Club drop. You can check it out at rareliquid.club, which I'll put in the show notes. Uh, Rare Liquid has given me a limited number of membership invitations. If you're interested in an invitation and learning more, hit me up on Instagram at MJTaller, or you can just send an email to blackwineguy at gmail.com. Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a Black Wine Guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. All right, we're back. Um, who the fuck is sitting next to you now, man? I don't man? know. He just showed up. I know. It's weird, dude. He just showed up out of nowhere. Yeah. I am Look. so sorry I'm late. I, you have no idea. I've had an electric car for a long time, and this is the first day I regretted it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, I, I'm going to have him introduce up, but this is uh, Mike Downey. He's a tech entrepreneur. He's also uh, Don's cousin. Um, uh, so just tell everybody a little bit about your background, Mike, and then we're going to get back to the cool shit. <laughs> yeah. Can we have a cheers too? Uh, oh yeah, cheers. man. Yeah. Oh, glad you made it here. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. Thank I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for, for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah. So my name is Mike Downey. I'm a tech entrepreneur. I've worked with some of the very early stage technology companies have been kind of my, my pattern. I was very early at America Online when we were carpet bombing the United States with CD-ROMs. And that was the oh first. My God. <laughs> Brian, you smile. Our, 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 our AV guy, Brian. Probably doesn't he, even know what a CD-ROM is. I mean, he kind of does. But he, he's like, he, he had to go to the fucking uh, the digital marketing archives to find a CD-ROM and shit. That was the beginning of the internet, son. Exactly. <laughs> you know what a floppy disk is? <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So, so anyway, I had very good timing at, at AOL and that was, you know, it just really set me on, on my path. You know, I'm uh, a history major, but I've been really into emerging technology and media, you know, um, forever because I, I got that job after applying to an ad in the LA times newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You said that's how you used to get a job. You would, there was, there was, it was called the classifieds. Yeah. 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 Holy shit. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, we've covered Damn. some old shit. Mail. I know. <laughs> I know we did U.S. Yeah. mail. <laughs> yeah. But it ended up changing my life that, you know, just making that call and, you know, and, and getting fortunate that they saw something in me and brought me in as a young man. And um, it really kind of shaped the trajectory of my career. And then um, I left AOL after the Time Warner acquisition and was in a position to figure out what I wanted to do. And I ended up at this company called, um, it was called GoTo, but it became Overture. And it was the, were the creators of the paid search model, mm. which is what the entire internet is it's built on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Google basically copied the model and did it better and um, kicked our asses, essentially. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we ended it, the, the company ended up um, getting acquired by Yahoo for a lot of money and still, you know, forms the backbone um, of, you know, many different search sites. But um, it was a great ride. And then um, I ended up getting interested in blockchain and Web3 applications about three years ago when I was um, working for a video game company, I had an agency. We did predictive analytics models for companies like the NBA mm -hmm. to help them figure out which countries in the world they want to grow in and which using data to figure out how to prioritize. Could you help mm -hmm. them? to figure out what's going to come out of Kyrie's mouth next. If you could <laughs> figure out like some type of algorithm for that. I think they'd be very I grateful. Think, I think it would, it would be a lot of money for yeah. that well, algorithm. Elon's mouth? You know? exactly. it's like, yeah. 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 That, that's, yeah, that'd be an interesting, yeah, no way. <laughs> well, right on, man. Thanks. Mm -hmm. So glad you're here. We're going to, we're going to, um, we, we talked about earlier. We're going to talk about how, um, uh, why you're here specifically besides being Don's cousin. Yeah. The, uh, the um, it's not the, I'm, I'm always missing the right, wrong word, but it's a, kind of that convergence. Yeah. The convergence of this blockchain technology and wine we'll get into. So I want to uh, get into a little bit more about Don's story and then feel free to chime in with any embarrassing anecdotes you know about Don. Oh shit. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Let's do it. So, so, great. so um, when we, you know, before the break, we were talking about Mataro Mavedro Graciano and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, we also we had talked about the, um, you know, the, the Willow Creek district. You had said, you know, that's that's where you know that's kind of like your home. Um, so working at Saxum, um, I would have to. You said you came back to no winemaking. So when did you decide to make the leap and start the Turtle Rock label? Uh, it was about a year after I got here. Okay. Um, I quickly realized that, you know, I was originally, Westberg was the original label. That was my uncle's label. And I pretty quickly figured out that we had two different visions mm -hmm. and that maybe I would help him rebuild Westberg and I would start my own brand because we wanted just had different ideas, different things. So Did yeah, you was, tell him about grandma and grandpa? Oh, tell me about grandma and grampy. <laughs> I didn't tell him he about did grandma not. and grandpa. Mike, tell him about In that you. little tasting room. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that was like yeah, one man. of my first experiences. The Little barn. Week. So who, yeah. who this was? Um, your your grandparents used to run work the tasting room. Well, they they came down and visited and, and hung out when we would do like little you know our okay. version of a pickup party, not like the one we're having tomorrow. Okay. Um, but you know we would probably have like fifteen or twenty people come by, and we were trying to figure out how to sell wine. And my uncle was telling me, I think the first thing that really made me realize that we were going to be a separation is he thought that. Anybody should be able to get a great bottle of wine for under $14. That's a philosophy. Yeah. If you want to go broke, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even make my wine for fourteen. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, but see, he came out of the industrial he wine did. complex. He so, did. so, so, you know that that philosophy makes sense, right? Yeah, I made I made a bottle of Zin under his label uh, the first year and put a price tag of thirty dollars on it because it's what I felt like I needed to charge to to make a living. And uh, he told me I was crazy. He's like sacre bleu. Like, Nobody's going to pay thirty dollars for a Zinfandel. And we sold out. You never in six heard of Turley? I know. Right? I mean, come on. The, I mean, that's not even like a, yeah. a reach at that point. Totally. But anyway, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um. So, when was your first vintage? So, two thousand eight was our first vintage for Turtle Rock. For Turtle Rock. Yeah. Shit. So I kind of jumped right in. Um. What'd but you make? The caveat of that okay. is that uh, the two thousand eight vintage was I had a really good opportunity to source some really good bulk wine, blend it myself. So I came out with just like one wine that was a blend of, of something that I liked. So I don't really, yes, it's my first vintage is Turtle Rock, but I, I like to say 2010 was our first vintage where I was doing everything mm-hmm. from the from the picking decisions to the, to the barreling, to the fermenting. Um, but yeah, it was like two barrels, you know, and then 11 was like four barrels, mm-hmm. and then 12 was maybe six barrels. You mm-hmm. know, we, we grew very slow. I'd say 14 was the first year we made any... Probably made 850, 900 cases, something like that. Because right. it was, a, I, I definitely underestimated the uh, the capital needs of the wine business. Right. And so we, we grew a lot slower than I thought. Right, right. Um, and so when did you kind of um, come on, like, because we're in Paso Robles, shout out to Vicky Carroll Hospice to Rowan, it is known. Absolutely. John, you mentioned John Albin earlier. Sure. Um so, uh, and uh, there was this guy, his name is Jeb Dunnick, and he used to write a thing called The Roan Report. Yeah. Um, then he went to work for Robert Parker. Yep. So, when did you sack up and put a wine in front of Jeb? <clears throat> I think it was, I think I jumped right in with like 2012. Okay. Um, it was pretty nerve-wracking, but uh, I think 2012, I did have some James Berry Vineyard fruit. So I felt pretty confident that it would be, you know, and I think my first, my first submissions were spectator and advocate. Okay. And I think we scored low mid nineties. Okay. Um, so we did pretty well. Not bad. I'm um, not mad at you. No, no, no Sorry, not bad at all. Yeah. And then, uh, 14 was the first year and that was when we first started sourcing G2 vineyard. Okay. Got the G2 Syrah and we scored a 98 on that wine in 2014. Shit. Um, how much were we selling that for in 2014? I think it was like forty five. I was like fucking ludicrously <laughs> cheap, right? I mean, because your wines are still kind of undervalued. I mean, you raised, but like, yeah, but like, I mean, I, I, what did I pay for this first time? Maybe sixty five. Probably sixty five. Yeah, 65? I think it's seventy five now, so yeah. it's not much. But forty fucking bucks, yeah. ninety eight point wine. Yeah, that's insane. And a small production yeah. too. You know, I think yeah, I exactly. Like yeah, a hundred yeah. cases. No, exactly. Or I mean, you know? it's not like because you know every now and then someone will like Spanish people are good for this. They'll make like a ninety five point wine. They'll make two hundred thousand cases. Yeah, you know it's a little bit different. And Jay, how do you look at scores? Like, what's your um? Score they're philosophy? they're they're like guideposts, man. And mm-hmm. the most important that's a great question, Mike. I've I've said this often. Uh, let's not discount the wine critic, the role of the wine critic in the world, because most people aren't going to taste ten to thirty thousand wines in a year. Um, and it's nice to have someone who can guide you along your journey. And the most important thing is you have to understand where your palate aligns or 
is um, disproportionate. Do all of the, the critics credit. have very different powers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And listen, and, and I mean, it, it only it logically makes sense. I had a, a MW on my show, and she's like, literally, um, and MWs are interesting, but her point about critics is like, I have different DNA. I have different saliva. I have I have different amounts of for like decay and leftover food in my mouth. All this stuff affects your your palate, right? Absolutely. Um, so um, it becomes with like knowing what you like. So for me, I like I like when we were talking about this, I like big plush but balanced acid wines. And Jeb tends to like the same wines. I, same token, I can take a wine from a different critic. Like if if um, James Molesworth, who was on the pocket, if he gives something like a 93, um, I'm like, okay, I might like that because that's a high score for him. Right. It's knowing it's knowing how and also knowing how the critic scores and where your palate aligns with that, right? So Yeah, I think that's the key. That is yeah. that's the key with How do you think about him as an artisan, Don? Um, I, I kind of agree with him. Well, I, I totally agree with him. And I think kind of what's morphed over time is that it used to be like, you know, Robert Parker's a perfect example. When he started the advocate, he was a singular palate. So you knew whether you agreed with his palate or disagreed with his palate. He gave you a metric that you could either say, I might like that wine or I might not like that yeah, wine. Yeah. But now it's kind of gone to these multiple tasters. A lot of the a lot of the platforms are, you know, might have 12, 13 people tasting wines from different regions. And it gets a little bit more difficult to get to know each one do any and of how them, your palate aligns with yeah. them. Do any of them have multiple people tasting your wine and that's how they derive their score? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Absolutely. so it's not just a single no. and, and, ever. And and, okay. and what's happened um, because of technology, you know, there's always pluses and minuses, like with the advent of bloggers and so on, so on, so on, so on. You know, like, so a lot of publications are hiring writers, not necessarily wine people. I, I agree, yeah. So like in Jeb Dunnick's case, like are Jeb Dunnick's scores based on his palate alone? They were. They were. Now, see, that's, that's, so that's, that's the interesting thing. I mean, it's a great question, right? Like, so Jeb um, had his own report called the Rome Report. We mentioned briefly, um, which was modeled after Robert. I Parker. love his website, by yeah. the way, Jeb Dunnick, like yeah. the way the data is. It's, it's really. A, yeah. I mean, nice well, he's a, he's, he's, he's a rocket really science. Like he's it. a rocket. He was an engineer. Yeah. So it's very meticulously laid out. It's, yeah. it's, it's no nonsense. So you're right. Yeah. But so the problem is scale, right? So he can only taste so many wines. So he just recently brought in, shout out to my girl, Audrey Frick. A, uh, yes, she's awesome. She's an awesome person. Um, but her pal's different from Jeb's and like he's thrown her some regions. And like, I remember like when the scores came out from some other, I was like, I was like, I was like you guys got to understand Audrey's not Jeb, you know? Right. Um, so it'll take the readers some time to, um, calibrate their palate for right. hers well, but at least it's still say, like just a yeah. du duality right there's exactly. two and they're doing the same region so it's, it's you know it'll take a huh. little bit of time yeah. but there's still that direct connection with us with a person and being able to, yeah. to understand and that's what's palate. important is like that because like when you see a score in the wine spectator that was a blind tasting with 30 people in the room and it's a composite which um some people might think is more democratic but it also it can be confusing you you, you don't know you don't know who actually where, where the unless it says the JM or the J, like you don't know the genesis of that. What would you guys say to people that are just getting into wine or that are like really starting to kind of dig in and how they should relate to scores? I mean, everybody. I mean, like I'm from New York, so like there's a very there's a there's a particular Psalm culture which can be anti-score. 
Um, I had a guest on Alice Firing. She wrote a book, literally how I saved the world from the Parkerization of wine. But I will flip, mm. I, will, I, I will flip that and say, we wouldn't be like the growth of the wine industry, particularly in California is due to Robert Parker. hundred percent. And, and, and around the world because, okay, so there were people um, who, who, as they come up, most people don't drink wine growing up in this country. You didn't drink wine growing up. It wasn't on a table in your house, right? So you're, uh, you know, wine. You you go you you go work at say New York. You go to work at Goldman. You have an expense fucking account. You got to take people out to dinner, right? And you know you start the Ruth Chris and you just start with the most expensive wine. But what Parker did was he allowed people um, who had the disposable income. He opened up a whole new world of wine to them. And also it made, so by doing that, it made, it made inroads for the, for the wine industry, particularly in America. I don't think we were, we wouldn't be where we are today without his scores and his system. He could be polarizing, but he, that's because he made a difference, you know? I agree. Mm-hmm. But like for new people getting in, do you think it's like figuring out what you like? Without a doubt. Without first. a doubt. But I mean, yeah. that's what yeah. I'm saying. So like, that's, so like, listen, there's nothing wrong with going buying a bottle of wine that's $12 that has a 93 from James Suckling because, because that's what, that's how it's marketed. They put the stickers on it. These, you know, yeah. but the number one thing you can do is taste wine and try wine. So, um, I tell people all the time, most people don't have a good wine merchant in their town, to be honest. But if you can find a good you wine, find mer- one. you go in there, you talk to them, you give them a price range. They're not going to, they're going to, they're going to, and they're going to ask you questions and they're going to direct you. So that's, that's the most important thing is to taste as many wines as possible yeah. and be open and, I, and use the scores as a, a guidepost. A guide. And I think I see two more influence from peers now, like oh, more, more people I know that uh, find my wine or end up contacting me to purchase our wine. Shout out they to had smoke. a bottle with a friend. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. A, write a review on Instagram yeah. and people sign up on the list. Yeah. And it's exciting when, they sent me, I was like, I just got my first allocation to Turtle Rock. And I'm like, done. He's like, oh, yeah, he's so great. Like, that's, um, but again, that's someone trusting my pal. They don't know me from a fucking can yeah. of paint. One of the things yeah. I, le- I learned from Donnie that I thought. Was, you actually learned something from me? That's interesting. Not one. It, it's only one thing. <laughs> yeah. But the, <laughs> He's like, don't get it twisted. Yeah. This guy's a great entrepreneur. You know that I love working with Donnie. Yeah. He's like, yeah, he's a creative, yeah. creative. I call him the Willy Wonka of adult beverages. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what I learned. Come with me, <laughs> and you'll be in a world of wine imagination. Are you my Oompa Loompa? I'm <laughs> 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 Mike TV. You can Veruca Salt. Good band, good indie band named I know, Rick as well. I know. I used to see him at the Wetlands yeah. in New York City. So what I learned from Donnie, because like most of my my honestly, like my love of wine has been largely through my family that moved to Paso Robles. And so I came up visiting. And through Donnie becoming, you know, a winemaker, you know, that's been and one of the things that I thought was so interesting, like with the mass market wines. The, the really high production wines, the consistency from year to year, which is what a mass market wants. But what makes it so interesting is the variation from year to well, year. Well, that's that's for this. True wine, that's true winemaking is yeah. it can't taste the same every year. You don't yeah. want it to. It can't, it, yeah. you know, um, but you, to your point, like those wines are like Coca-Cola. It's a formula. Remember what happened to Coke change the formula? People, People didn't flipped. like it. People flipped. Yeah. Right. Do you think it's true? I don't know if you told me this, but like the mass produced wines, they use, there's a lot more chemistry. There's involved. a lot more chemistry. Oh, yeah, a lot and do you guys believe that that impacts hangover? I mean, it, depending on the amount. I'm going to say heard yes, it, for it, sure. 
But I mean, I'm not. I mean, I don't I'm, have any proof of that. I, I'm not a. I'm not a <laughs> scientist. If anybody else say, there yeah. has any data yeah, but on that, send I'm, it to I'm, MJ. Listen, I'm let's curious. Put it, let's put it this it way. Seems to be the case. Let's put it this way. Um, you can't put chemicals and stuff and not have effects, right? Right. Just, just okay. We know. I, I would say you know it to be true, but wine doesn't have to list the side effects like fucking a medicine does. Right. Right. So. Everything they or put even in the, the ingredients. The ingredients, right. Yeah. Right. Um, which which then then goes to the whole fucking natural wine fucking shit where they're trying to act like but most really well made wines just pretty much have grapes in them and a little bit of sulfur. Yeah, that's it. That, people don't they like don't get caught up in the marketing hype of that. But these are all great questions. And what I wanted to get back to, first of all, what should we have next? Although, <laughs> What are we drinking now, by the way? I mean, the Willows Cubay. Oh, that's the Willows, Willows Cubay, yeah. Which is, a, which oh, is, is that the 20 Willows? Yeah. yeah. I wanted nice. to bring out the uh, the 20s to uh, my my to show that we don't have smoke I, taint. I, I don't even, um, I can't even begin to tell you guys, if you follow me on Instagram, how much I love this wine. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, wait, you can dump that out. Yeah, yeah. this particular wine is... Um, I think it was... Berry motherfucking cobbler. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> no, it was. It's a blackberry black cobbler a la mode motherfucker. motherfucker. Uh, that's what it was. Sorry, and I, then I, I put my motherfucker you, in the wrong spot. No, you can never put a motherfucker in the wrong spot. <laughs> um, just ask Samuel Jackson. Um, yeah, right. But um, to talk about like when I did that review, I hadn't really known Don yet, um, and this was when I was like, like even for me who had been in the business, and at the end of the day everyone's pal is different but like when you say something about a wine and the fucking winemaker's like you nailed it that's when i was like and it was the fucking cardamom that was in that particular ah, vintage yeah without it, a doubt. It, it had cardamom in it like a motherfucker it we did. were watching when you were releasing that list like we, we were watching it and we we're like oh and then we we're like oh you didn't get but then when you got that <laughs> yeah, we talked, we're about, talking that. About, that. We talked yeah. about i didn't know that. i didn't know you were watching <laughs> that, that was, with him because uh, he, he told me that story when i when i actually the whole crew, the band's all back at Brian as I record that conversation. And he's like, I was watching that list and it got to number three. I was like, damn it. <laughs> I didn't make it. What happened? So cool. Wait, and I think you referenced Shaw Day. Like, that might have been, I don't know if that, that was, a different. But, that might have been another review of the wine. It was so Maybe good. Maybe a different I, I might, one, yeah. But yeah, I said it. I, I, I was going to try and pull it up, but I go through 3,000 posts. But it's like, yeah. smoother than uh, uh, that operator, MJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and that's a really cool um, uh, thing we could talk about um, and how you guys are cousins and um, you did all this. You're a tech entrepreneur. You, you, had, you, know, you worked with some big names early on, and now you're doing your own thing. Um, and very timely, um, I subscribe to this the newsletters these quick bites and it's um it's called uh morning brew it's out of new york and one of their headlines was like panic at the crypto <laughs> <laughs> yesterday that's a great yeah headline. i thought it was great. Yeah, yeah yeah um so um let's talk about so let's we're gonna get to that but let's talk about the 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 westberg red we know it's an homage to your uncle yeah what's the blend on let me give me give me a bottle yeah, so you the know, blend on this, this year so the one I really liked was, yeah, the, that first one that really blew me away was the 76. It was just 76 Zen, 24. 24 temp. Yeah. So now you, you've, um, in true possible fashion, mad scientist fashion. So it's 42 Zen, 32% Tempranillo. So it's still heavy there. But then 26 Petit Syrah. Correct. And uh, it always comes from the Four Hearts Vineyard, though, correct? It does, yeah. Okay. It's always all Four so Hearts. So talk about um, 
four hearts and then what why you threw Petite Sarah into the vintage sure. in 2020. Uh, so Four Hearts is also Willow Creek District, uh, just down the road from James Berry Vineyard. It is, uh, I think it's got about 20 years of age on it now, so it's it's uh, been around. It's dry farmed and head trained, so big wide spacing, you know, kind of mm-hmm. the, the opposite of what all the new plantings look like, you know, just these big massive head trained vines. Um, and did surprisingly, does surprisingly well in the drought, you know, just those old, old roots going down deep and getting that water. Um, but an interesting thing about this wine is it's a really good example of the way I think of co-fermentation or think of the way I treat wine. We don't do any manipulation in the winery, no acidification, no deacidification. Um, and to me, pH is a very important part of a wine. You know, mm-hmm. I think the proper pH really helps show the characteristics. Um, so Zinfandel for me, I like to pick it a little bit early. Um, I like the bright red fruit. I don't like it when it gets jammy or yeah, over it's, the top. It's, I like the high toned yeah, aspects of bright, it. Bright, you know, bright, bright and lifted. Yep. Um, but the problem with that is Zinfandel tends to have a lot of acid early on. So you might have a 3-1, pH, which is not making a great wine. Right. Well, Tempranillo is the other side of that. You know, I like mm. Tempranillo when it gets really ripe. It takes a while for the tannins to resolve. But then the acid follows that. So you might have a 4.1 pH. Well, I put them together. I get my 375, which is about where I like my wines. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have to add anything. I didn't have to chemically change anything. I just put the two grapes together. So we use them like, kind of like a spice rack. Um, what, and what then, is, what's the percentage blend on this? Oh, it's again, 40, it is. It's 42 42's. Zen, 32 Tempranillo, and 26 Petit Syrah. And I kind of what? always yeah. had this in mind when I started. But when I first started sourcing from this... When I started sourcing from this vineyard, I didn't have access to the Petit Syrah. I had to, uh, you know, bang a couple scores and and have a little bit of a relationship yeah. with them before they started selling me Petit. So and Petit and Zin go well together. We know that from Ridge. For, I've always for, liked yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. How um, does this compare to the to the nineteen Westberg? Do you think? Um, still pretty early, but mm. I would say that the nineteen is maybe a little more structured um, and has a little more acid. Um, but I think it's pretty. I close. love that wine. I love but, both of these wines. Yeah. And like another thing, I said in that review, it's like it's like a, I think I might have said it was like a it was a frosted blueberry pop tart with flecks of tar under it, right? Right. So with this one, right, I stuck my nose in there, and like I was like, oh my god, it reminds me of grape bubble yum, right? <laughs> grape bubble with 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 underlyings of tar again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. It's still there. And um, dude, we have a 150 magnums of the 2019 Westberg just for rare liquid members. And yeah, those, are the the, only, those are the only magnums that you made. Yeah, all of the rate. magnums that I produced in 19 went directly to rare liquid. It's so exciting. And so this oh. is so li- lifted <laughs> and refined, high tone, but then the darkness starts to settle in. Um, incredible. I need a I need a big fat cheeseburger. Somebody go get me an in and out burger. <laughs> hey, you got to have in and out while you're here. Oh, you know? I, I do oh. have to have in and out while I'm here. Mm. Um, so, so um, yeah. So, and I remember with this, with particularly with the uh, Westberg Red, like, like the first vintage I got, like I think it was 2018. Remember 2018? What did you release in 2019? 2017? Yes. Okay, so it was 2017. I remember it only got like 96 points from Jeb and like a bunch of people I was drinking it with. Um, you know Adam Egan and then uh, yeah. Dave Eubanks. 
Dave Dubin's he's like he's like I don't he's like I don't I don't see what the flaw in this wine I don't see why it's a hundred point wine. That's awesome. Tell which me was about awesome. the label on this. I love. Yeah, the, I and then, love and then, the yeah, we're gonna get into oh yeah. yeah, and all the labels like yeah. like so like what so first of all before we get to labels, why Turtle Rock? So the uh, the big white calcareous rocks that are super prominent on the west side of Paso that make up our soil type. It's that fractured shale. Um, when they wear down over time and get uncovered in vineyards, they look like turtle shells kind okay. of crawling out of the, and uh, all the farmers, old time farmers used to call them turtle rocks. Nice. nice. Usually followed with an expletive because they were that fucking turtle rock yeah. that broke the shank on yeah. my tractor or something like that, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, and we had quite a few of those on the property I grew up on. One in particular that looked uh, a lot like a turtle. So just thought I love it was that. appropriate. And then your label art, I mean, shit. I got to get this kind of podcast. Let's talk about why Dane. Dane Curley does all your labels. He does. He does. How'd he, you come to meet Dane and why did, why did he become your guy? Man? Uh, I got hammered with him at a Herman story pickup party. Oh yeah. Uh. You're getting it. You talk about <laughs> Herman story. Like they don't make anything under 15, five. Yeah. And it's uh, <laughs> on the label. Yeah. I love that guy. Do you reference Rus- Russell, oh, that yeah. brand? Russell, yeah. I freaking love it. One of my so favorite good. people in the world. Yeah. Russell's um, awesome. But yeah, I met him there and I was at the time was looking to make a label change. I felt like the quality of the wines had gotten to a point where, my kind of homemade label was just not doing it anymore. The stick um, figure, the stick figure. Yeah. The hand drawn. Yeah. Um, and he was looking to, he was working at a label production facility and, uh, wanted to get in. Mm. He was a graphic designer in college and wanted to take a shot. I said, Hey, would you let me take a shot? And I think the first one he did was the G2. Okay. And, uh, I loved it. So I said, let's, let's do them all. Yeah, and, the uh, tickle pink is there. Is it's beautiful, beautiful. Uh, and they're all Claude's cuvee with the fucking swordfish. Yeah, they're all they're all my ideas, yeah. um, or my wife's ideas. The plum and orchard. Then he I love them. the plum orchard plum with orchard. the hourglass. That's, yeah. oh, that's yeah, yeah, one yeah. of my favorites. Um, yeah. And since while it's while it's present, because we're gonna go, and I'm drinking, and by go, I mean we're gonna keep going, <laughs> drinking and talking. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to lose this point. Yeah. Um, you told me a story about the Claude's Cuvée and Philippe Combi. Tell that story. You told that to me privately, but please tell it to uh, everyone. I, I, I got to make sure I'm, I'm about the fish and the... About, about no, I think it was about, because that's like your 95% Grenache. Like, that's, that's their most... No, Grenache. that's the, uh, that's the um, Plum Orchard. That's, okay, see? Yeah. I told yeah. you, we're going to go. I'm drinking. Sure, I don't want to sure. get too far down the road. Uh, so, yeah, so the Plum Orchard, and we mentioned before, my, that wine for me was Reyes. Yes. Um, so we found a site on the west side of Paso that is on decomposed sandstone, which is similar to what Reyes is planted on, or at least portions of it. Um, and I had the incredible opportunity to taste with with Philippe Combi because of the downstream project he did with Saxum. Yeah. Um, an amazing man, an amazing palate. Uh, we miss him dearly for Rest sure. Rest in peace. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but we were. Uh, I was invited to a garage dinner by him, and it was like John Alban, Nick Crankle. Uh, Stefan Asseo, Justin the one Smith. That, that Justin made downstream with? Yeah, he yeah. was the, oh. the enologist, yeah. Oh, um, so it was basically all the who's who of Grenache producers in California. And, uh, and Philippe. And Philippe. And Justin told me to bring my plum orchard. And it was the first year I'd made it. Um, pretty unsure of myself at the time, especially with a new varietal. Got there, and it, boy, was there a crazy amount of Grenache out on that table yeah. from Reyes to, you know, every everything you can imagine, single vineyards. Uh, it was very intimidating. So I left, I pulled out the, uh, I think I had a CDP, I don't even remember, a Clota Pop or something, mm-hmm. and put that on the table, and I left, the, I left mine underneath the table. I didn't want to pull it out. And about halfway through the night, uh, Justice Smith said, Where, where's your wine? 
I said, I left it on the table. I'm not, I'm not pulling that out here. And he goes, hey, everybody. <laughs> Don's too he's much like, of a like fucking the, pussy to pull out his wine. <laughs> yeah, he's like the he's like the guy like in high school is like in the locker room. I'm not showering. I'm gonna go home. He's like, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I'll go home and shower. I'm yeah. not pulling it out. I'm in not here. pulling it out in here. Yeah, you no. Know? And uh, he called you out. He called you a pussy. Oh, That's he awesome. did. Fucking pussy. <laughs> oh, and Jensen was there, of course. And he's like, oh, oh yeah, Jensen was like, Jensen was like, you know. And uh, so we we opened the wine, and it showed extremely well. And uh, Philippe told me later that he put it in the top five of those Grenaches. Yeah, so that's that high night, praise. So. So cool. yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> I so, love that wine. Yeah, that might be my favorite because it's so it has, it's so light, you know, for yeah, compared to some of the other. Well, that's blends. well. I mean, see, this is where we 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 help a guy like you out who's, who's just loves wine, but like that's like Reyes is it's a lighter expression. It it's is. the more finesse, the more elegant, but still packed with flavor. So yeah. That, I get it. I get it. And and it defied that color stigma too. You know, like everybody thinks yeah. in, in wine's the, quality is determined by its color, right. and that's just not true. Right. Well, and our buddy know. Christoph also believes that too. He's like the color doesn't, you know. Yeah, it's not. But label, I will say, go ahead, Mike. I was. Just, I'm sorry. I was just going to say I love the label on the Plum Orchard and the story behind the label. Okay, in terms so yeah, of the, the, hourglass. the hourglass. Yeah. Talk about that because, yeah. like I said, there's another. It's a Dane Curry label, but like there's meaning behind it, and we're going to. And trust me, we're going to come back to. The uh, Westberg sure. Red. Yeah, I just uh, I I thought that the important part of that wine was making people realize that the difference in the soil, that sandy soil, is what creates ah, that so expression of. So we actually have the hourglass breaking, the sand falling out, and then the vine growing out of the sand. See, I'm thinking it had to do with like that soap opera through the sands of time. I thought <laughs> yeah. so are the days, days of our lives. lives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought it was <laughs> almost the days of our lives. Yeah, um, no, I was just more referring to the sandy soils. He's like, and, nah, uh, man, it was wine related. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You should see the animation we created of that label because that's one of the things about the NFT space that we're. It's really a new creative canvas for yeah. artists and and producers to bring their ideas to life. And the what well, well, we should post it somewhere for for your for yeah. your listeners to see. But that animation where we took uh, Dane Curley's core art and worked with him and Don to bring the hourglass to life. And it's one of my favorites of them. It's really yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And I'll definitely in the show notes for this, I'll post uh, cool links to a lot of stuff we uh, discussed. So you give me a link. We'll make sure we post that for people. Yeah. Um, and then on the Westberg red, what is the significance of this, uh, the leaf? So that is uh, the, the gentleman who's been farming that vineyard for most of its existence by the name of Steve Crouch. And he is big into native American culture. Okay. Uh, he used to make headdresses. He's, does sweat lodges, all that kind of stuff. Um, so originally I wanted to put a headdress on there. I thought that would be a nice homage to him. Um, and I said, let's do it with red tail hawk, red, red, red tail hawk feathers because they're very prominent on that vineyard. And so Dane started by drawing the feathers to figure out how to draw the headdress. And when he showed me the feathers, I was like, just stop right there. Done. Like yeah. you're done. Like that's so beautiful. There's no reason we need to do a headdress. Um, so yeah, like most of them are just for fun, either relating to the vineyard, the site, our family, just tell a story. I want, I want it to be again, fun, pleasurable wine. So pretty to look at artistic, um, but not too serious. Yeah. The other thing about that, that label is, and first time podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were the ones that been drinking. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. I just came through. I know the, 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 hell, <laughs> the hell it took Mike to get here. Yeah. The electric car woes. Yeah. But I was going to say, like, the with the um, Westberg Red label and all of his labels, the audio 
soundtrack. Like that's what's so interesting is that you can bring in in music. And so with the the Westberg, we had an EDM producer named Morgan Page, who's an awesome guy and a huge um, wine enthusiast. And you know um, what he did, and he loves Turtle Rock. He was listening. We sent him the bottles. And he created these soundtracks, these small scores that are actually inspired by the wine. Mm-hmm. And so it's another point that there's multi, there's multiple dimension dimensions that open up, you know, with, with this as, as a new medium. And we'll post that as well, just thinking creatively. You know, people thinking about the intersection of music and wine, that's a Should really exciting Should read the article category. about me and jebdunnick.com. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so, yeah, Mike, so like, wh- like let's talk about um let's 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 talk about um well let's keep the story on donnie like the lady I mean, yeah. if you if you want to but yeah but i mean but no point, i mean we yeah. can we can move over but, too but, i mean but i want to i want to get to because i'm i'm looking at the 2020 and um when i got oh so what i got i guess i got my 2019 allocation and there's a qr code on uh, there yeah right. so um so uh Mike and Don, they're they're both addition to what they do. Like my, Don's an entrepreneur; he's a winemaker, and he's on he's a, he's a vinron, if you will, or a vintner. Uh, Mike is a tech entrepreneur. They're cousins. Uh, they both like wine, and they got the crazy idea uh, because Mike knows uh, this web three this technology called clear, blockchain. To be clear, I don't know anything. Okay, <laughs> let's start all right, there. All right, let's okay. start there. <laughs> I mean, that's what I always say. I mean, like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put it this way. Mike knows more than me and Don about this fucking shit. Let's put it that, that way. That is true. All right, so that, that's, that's a, a pretty low bar to start yeah, with. Yeah, though. I mean, which is you know, <laughs> you know, like I said, it's a very low bar. But um, talk about because, like I said, people like are like don't understand. They think they think NFTs are crypto. Talk about yeah. the underlying technology that you guys are bringing together with the Rare Liquid Society. Um, talk about that, and then we'll we'll get into how. Um, you know what you see the future is yeah maybe we talk about kind of the story of origin like how yeah like who went to who like i mean like it kind of happened organically like donnie and i are good friends we battle in cornhole and ping pong and we we you gotta have that everybody has that one cousin who's like like your favorite cousin i see you guys like favorite. yeah it's not mike i'm I'm, I'm second though right yeah i I, listen i i listen i don't i had at one point like I had fifty four first cousins, man. That's a I'm, lot. I'm of probably right there with you. Yeah, that's a lot. Pretty close. Yeah. yeah. Are we honest? Yeah, you can, yeah, yeah, we, you can go to that because I'm. I mean, if you want more Westberg, but I'm probably going to yeah, hit some. I, I think our initial uh, business startings uh, came around the fact that I was looking to upgrade my web presence and okay. my website, um, and I knew that he had a great creative mind, and I liked the way that he looked at things visually. And uh, so I approached him about helping me with my site and maybe doing some content for me. And, and that, yeah. And uh, just trying to figure out how to get the name out. Um, this was before we had a waiting list, you know, so this was kind of uh, a little early. Uh, and, and after that relationship, after doing the content and things, uh, he just kind of approached me with this idea. Yeah. And I think like initially there was it was about creative but then i had been bitten by the blockchain bug okay i am really convinced that this is the future 
Like this is a general purpose technology. It's like it's electricity. Wow. Yeah. It's like the internet. People just don't realize it yet because sure. it's scary right now. It's scary. Right? But and it's had some bad press and some bad. I mean, I, I, listen, I remember when I went to law school in 92, they gave us an email address. I'm like, what the fuck? I'll just call somebody. What the fuck is email? Yeah. Right? So it's it's just right. people don't understand where they're For at. sure. That's right. And, you know, with all of the kind of hype and hysteria and chaos in the market, consumers the mass market consumers like i'm not touching that and i don't blame them but it doesn't change the underlying purpose and the utility like th this is where it's going people can't yeah. see that yet right and it's up to projects like us and entrepreneurs to explain to people why this exists so when we started talking and i got more interested in wine i realized there's a very singular problem that needs to be solved for this industry it's called providence. Yeah. Right? That yeah. is a, a foundational issue. While counterfeit, counterfeiting and fraud is kind of the tip of the iceberg, right? Sure. It doesn't impact a lot, but it's a massive problem. I mean, I think it's, it's estimated that 20% of all collectible bottles. I, I don't know what the definition of collectible, but I think it's with think suggested it's retail above, above 100. 100. Yeah, yeah. Or, or something like that. But 20%, you know, anybody that's seen sour grapes, you're like, okay, that's a massive industry problem. But what's really interesting about it is if you can solve for that, which wasn't possible before the advent of blockchain, like mm. you need... And in, you need industry alignment right. to form around a particular way to relate to wines and spirits. And like there's data that's that will now be available that was never available before. You right. think about how many bottles are left well, of a I particular mean, vintage. Mike, that's I, powerful. Didn't, I hate to interrupt you, but like they said, there's more bottles of Petrus in Las Vegas than were ever produced in the world. Like it's like it's just. And, that, and that's exactly the point. Right. But here's the thing. When people hear about wine provenance and wine fraud. They're like, oh, that's a rich person's problem, which is not an inaccurate statement. <laughs> right. I was going to say, I mean, because I mean, exactly, because you think about it like, like that, like it's like we, at the end of the day, people hate it, but it's a wealth product. And it's just like art, right? So where, where, where are you finding high amounts of fraud where there's, where there's supposed, supposed scarcity, where there actually is scarcity, not supposed, there is scarcity. There is scarcity. And, there are people who are willing to pay a lot of money for that. There's, it's built in scarcity. That's right. why wine and spirits as an alternative asset class is actually highly predictable yeah. compared to and performs at a you know good you level. know which brands, you know which regions, you know which producers. You generally know the maturity rate at, at different varietals, so it's it's relatively predictable. But to me, the investment case is is clear. But that's not what's exciting. Like to me, that's that's a byproduct. Yeah. So you were it. talking about this. So let's talk about uh, and then also. Um, when NFTs came out, um, and I know we had, you should have brought grape juice just so we had the, the label, but don't, uh, don't say the word. I'm glad you said it wrong. That's a mystery release. <laughs> no, <laughs> honestly, I'm so pumped for that. Exactly. For that drop. That, that, that drop. It's gonna We're going to drop that. I, I just caught what I said. I love it. Yeah. You didn't bring the grape juice. We're dropping that. I said it again. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're dropping. Perfect. We're, we're dropping Perfect. that at, uh, but at we will Bottle drink Rock. some tomorrow. Yeah. 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 We're, we're going to be releasing that at Bottle Rock in May. Okay. Yeah. You're coming out, buddy. I was going to say, you yeah, got, you I'm, gotta like, come. I'm like, all right, you got to come. You, you got to hook. Dude, hook we'll brother. do it. Yeah. Totally. We'll do it from scale. We'll do it from Dude, Desert totally, Place. I've done it. We yeah. de we'll definitely do that. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, so I got, so going back to the uh, Westbrook, I get the, I got my latest allocation and it has a QR code on it. And, um, and what I didn't, you know, Don had been talking to me about you. Yeah. 
and he wanted me involved in Rare Liquid, you know, and, and I was very exciting. But I remember just scanning it. I'm like, I'm like, holy shit, there's my review. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, on there. But you also talked about, I remember, because I'm a pro song, because you did a lot with this, with, with the DJ. There was like, I saw a lot of the posts were around the EDM, you know? Um, so solving for the provenance, but also what are some of the enhanced features that you, you're building into? What yeah, you're doing and let me speak to the QR code. Like to me, QR codes are a temporary solution. Okay. For, it's a good start. Right. It, anything's better than the status quo. Yeah, right. Because right. there, there's no structure there. You know, there's different, you know, providers and different people that are offering it in, in, in different ways. So the, the QR code is a great start in terms of leading to provenance. So you scan it, it brings up the NFT and there's all verified data on that blockchain across the board. Right. But where it's going, there's RFID chips. And that's, you know, the, the technology is ahead of the market. Right. All right now. So slow down. RFID. What does that stand for? <laughs> it's it's radio. It's uh, it's um, radio frequency near field radio frequency, but they call them RFI. Okay. And and then it based on your phone. So your phone interacts with a chip. Okay. That's in the label, and okay. so what will end up happening? And right now it's expensive to do, but those costs are going to drop significantly. Where you can actually trigger and track when the bottles open and you can also track temperature um you can you can track temperature um as as well as storage condition on that okay we got to stop right there mm -hmm. because that's also when you talk about prominence that's also important it's huge exactly. how is it stored that's closing the loop exactly yes right. so but artisans producers will eventually have a choice because it's not free to do that right right, right? and it will eventually become more and more affordable to do it. So you need to make a decision. Is your product of quality, is it worth re releasing a limited edition? Uh, eventually it will, it will be ubiquitous. Like the thesis of the company is that tokenization will happen across the industry and not just this industry. Everything that's collectible. And anything that where there's a potential for it to appreciate in value, Yeah. you know, yeah. even cars, Yeah. you yeah. know? And so, but go ahead. No, just when you say cars, I mean, you think about like, there's a whole market for luxury cars getting stolen and shipped to like Africa and shit. Like, like when your Ferrari gets stolen, you'll be able to know where the fuck that shit is. man. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, there's so much behind it, but I think that's the biggest is being able but, to prove. Yeah. But also when you think what it does, so the, the, the proof is, is important, but you think what it does for the producer, it exposes them to a royalty payment. For the first time in history, this wasn't possible before the advent of blockchain, like where yeah. producers can actually earn a share of the value that they're generating on secondary markets. And I'm not gonna that's lie, really that's, exciting. That's why I signed up. Listen, <laughs> listen. I was like, listen, whoa, wait a second. Listen, secondary there, market there, sales? There, 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 uh, there you had tons, me at secondary. Just, just watch uh, like uh, any movie about the record business. Like, any, listen, the, it's so great that the person who actually created the product can still get points down the line. That's, That's right. You look the at whole like, Jerry Seinfeld, you know, and he's continuing to collect residual payments, yep. which he deserves, yep. but all creators deserve that. Agreed. You know? And so that, that's, and then on the collector side, it's about frictionless trading, right? That's a concept that people can't understand where the, the ownership of an, ad, of, of an asset, a great bottle of wine can actually change with, with just the click of a button. What the hell? Right? If the bottle's, 
There's a bell ringing. <laughs> That's Somebody so bring awesome. a phone in here? Anyway, we're <laughs> live. We're just going <laughs> to be all the, the point is... <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. That, so the... <laughs> the phone is yeah. ringing. I think they want you, MJ. They're trying like, to find you. Hello, I told you never to call me we while I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but so the, so the physical bottles are in verified insured storage facilities. There's going to be networks of verified storage facilities that emerge, right? It's really a fragmented world. Third-party wine storage in particular is, is highly fragmented right now. But it's a really interesting category because there's big demand. You know, a lot of these places are sold out, you know, and despite the fact that there's, you know, downward pressure on the market, that's the, the people that know what they're doing are like, hey, I'm going to put some money into wine. It's reliable. Right. And so the third party. But imagine, you know, some people don't want to invest. They just want to drink. Right. Sure. So it, it's it's instant training. That would be me. <laughs> Yep. No, and, 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 and I get that, but it also leads to frictionless redemption, right? Keep it in storage while, until, while it matures under the perfect conditions and then redeem it when you're ready. The status of the NFT will change, but that's fine. You know, there's different, different levels of provenance will emerge. That's what we're working on right now is what is the appropriate level of hierarchy and the different, you think about legacy bottles, right? That's different with Donnie. We tokenized it the source. Yeah. Like yeah, from right. inception, yep. right? So that's going to be the highest level of provenance. That's, yeah. the, that's the highest level of provenance. Absolutely. Actually, ultimately, and I don't mm. want to go here, but it's possible you can tokenize it the vin at the vine level. You know, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, Mike's Mike's <laughs> ma Mike's, <laughs> ma Mike's matrix has you now. Nerd. There's a yeah. really <laughs> interesting, but I, I can see how you can do there's that. There's a really interesting. Um, guy out of Napa that's that's doing that yeah. um, named Kia Kia Benia, and he's a really fascinating winemaker, and he's hyper focused on the intersection of music and wine, yeah. and it's uh, it's I, I love where he's taking it. It's it's very because to me that's when it like come on like let's bring it together. It's a new medium, you know. This is so awesome. So you said something. <laughs> I don't know. Did you have an uh, opportunity to listen to the episode I did with Gary V? Because he I said, did. He said exactly what you said. Like the like the the frictionless trend. Like you know your wine is in a vault. It's perfectly stored. If you want to drink it, you can have. A, you know you what's know? funny? I listened to that podcast, and there was one point in that podcast where he said, "You know what? There's people in their garage that are building this right now." And I'm like, Donnie, he's talking to us. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, Gary Vee was just talking exactly. about me. He's like, he's like, exactly, exactly. It's so dope. He's like, yeah. He's like, yo, how's he know what I'm doing? It's true. And it, and the other part is that even on the consumer side, let's say you're not an investor, you're a consumer. You're now talking about wines that are being sold in a manner that is putting more money in the pocket of the producers. Exactly. Which also removes the middleman, which also reduces the ultimate cost to the consumer. So you're at, you end up in a system where you're actually getting higher quality for less money with more prominence. And to me, that's like a win-win. A and the people that are getting the money are the ones that, you know, there's, there's tons of stories out there, friends of mine, people I know in the industry, where the middleman is making more money than they are, and they made the wine. Exactly. You know? and, and that's, that's just crazy. We're planning our platform fees right now at 2.5%. 
you know, and then the rest of the royalty structure is the vast majority goes to the producer and the artists need to be compensated as well. So there's an opportunity with collaborations. That's one of the things that's so cool around Web3 is the way that you can distribute incentives to people. Right. We can include uh, incentives for Dane Curley. Yes. Because part of the reason my wine is successful is his label. So exactly. he can get a, you know, a cut. You know, it's just it's a it's a great way to. And this really is all public data. That's one of the things that's so cool about the blockchain is that we'll expose right, the, the royalty structure. Right, exactly. No, yeah, right, you can, you, right. it's all out in the open for everyone to see. I gotta flip the script. I'm onto the G2. I don't know if you tried. G2. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you tried. I think, I think, he, he, I think my, the, he pulled the eject button, the yeah. crypto eject button. He's like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm just like, fuck, man. First that's pretty of all, good. Um, total glass stainer. What? Yeah, I mean, it's got some color. Um, so I don't know a whole lot about the G2 Vineyard. Where's the G2 Vineyard located? So G2 is the closest vineyard um, to James Berry Vineyard, you know, by okay. by uh, distance. Okay. Um, it's on Las Talbas Road, right in the heart of Willow Creek District, um, kind of in between, let's say, Booker and James Berry. Oh, okay. Something like that. Okay. Um, but almost the same exact ridgeline as James Berry, very similar soils. Um, Bill Gibbs, the owner, uh, owns Heartstone Vineyard, which was his first vineyard purchase, which is all uh, used by Saxon in his wines. And uh, he wanted to buy another vineyard, and Justin Smith kind of coaxed him into uh, mm -hmm. or directed him to G2, where he uh, bought in 14, okay. and that was our first production. But it's, uh, it's a great site. Um, this particular wine is made from an extremely steep, Hilltop with no soil, tons of rock. We get like a ton and a half an acre, so Beautiful. almost no, yeah. almost no fruit off of those vines. But yeah, it makes for a really don't even have to drop fruit. It's just, just no, it just drops itself. Can yeah, you tell a quick story about the G two? My fa I have a uh, father-in-law who lives in France, and he came out to California to visit us. And I'm like, we got to go to Paso. I was like, oh, Paso. Those California wines. Like, <laughs> I, I know French people just here. <laughs> and, and I brought him up here. And this was, it was probably like the 2017, potentially, probably, yeah. G2. In there. And he drank it and he's like, oh my God. And he fell in love with Paso. He's always like, can I get another bottle of that? I'm like, no. Nah, but, <laughs> nah, but you got to join Only Rare Liquid. the NFT. Yeah, exactly. You got to join Rare Liquid. <laughs> he's a true skeptic. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. he gets what we're doing. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, I think I might have a, one bottle of the 2017 or 2016 G2 low. Holding on to It's hard. We talked about this. Yeah. Like, like I could hold it. Is this the 100 pointer? This no, the, this is the new vintage. This is the yeah. 20. Oh, but the G2 last year was the one. It was the, the 19. The 19 was the, was the so, point. yeah, man, thanks for pointing out. So, like, we talked about uh, scores and accolades. And for what I would say to end that conversation or for now is that they are very helpful for the average wine consumer. It, it's only at a certain level of wine where you have your own palate and you want to and you you're going to eschew the critics because you feel as if and a lot of people do know about wine but i i don't have i don't have problems with critics but what's it like so as a winemaker i mean as a winemaker um as an athlete i wanted to be the best you have to have some measure to some standard like i fucking hate 
fucking t-ball fucking hate I, I losing. Hate everyone gets a fucking medal <laughs> thank you for saying I it mean, MJ. I, mean, Finally. I mean i ran track and shit like people run a 5k everybody who finishes gets a fucking medal did you did you finish in the top five or the top 10 did you run a personal bet were you even running were when you, you crossed the finish I mean, line exactly. did you walk across the finish line so i think for there's a certain level of people who like just it's not it, it we all seek validation let's be honest you you're like would you want? Do you want to make movies that don't make money or don't win Academy? Either make money or win Academy Awards. You gotta do something. Let me ask you something though. But you want to apply that thinking to T-ball players? <laughs> <laughs> listen, there shouldn't be T-ball. There wasn't T-ball. Listen, you, you had to stand. Listen, I know I didn't play baseball. I didn't want anybody throwing a fucking ball at me. <laughs> so I played football, basketball, and ran track. Mm -hmm. Don't throw, don't throw something at my head, right? Like <laughs> you can't. But, but that was part of the deal. Yeah. You know, like. And I, don't, I wonder how many major league players play T-ball nowadays. That's very interesting, right? But I bet you all of them. Probably because they're just their age, right? Yeah. But like, you got to get. Not like, for long, though. Those, yeah. were, those were like, out, you're out of T-ball really quickly. Right, right. Pretty <laughs> exactly, quick. Exactly. It was no fun. Like the kid who just stepped up, whack, just hit it out the park. Yep. They're yep. like, okay. No, you're going, you don't get to use that you anymore. You don't get to use that anymore. But um, so there, I do believe there's, uh, you know, very few, but look who I hang out with. I would say very few winemakers I know wouldn't be happy to receive a hundred point score. What was that like, man, to get your first hundred point score? It was pretty awesome. You know, uh, I'm probably a little bit, I don't know, jaded just because of my time at Saxon. I was going to say, cause you've had your like, hands I see on it all the time. Right. You the know, it's not like, yeah, you're like, I made that wine. Like if it was more, but like, I, you know, you didn't necessarily. Yeah. Get when yet. we, when we got, when we saw the submission, you know, we were, it was harvest and I was at Saxon with Justin and I pulled it up and he got a hundred points on his G2 from yeah. 2019 as well. And I was like, oh, my God, I got 100 points. This is the most amazing thing. And then I saw his 300 points. I'm like, shit, now I need to get like seven more. <laughs> exactly. He's just competitive, right? Do you like, think it's it an apt competitive. analogy that this is like the guy that's trying to fill Mike Krzyzewski's shoes? Not that you're trying to I, You're a totally different artisan. I get that. Oh, but no. in terms of the bar that's been set. The bar has been set incredibly high um, yeah. and, and is well-earned and well-deserved. And uh, I may never achieve that or surpass that um but i'm sure as hell gonna try yeah i like that I, I see you know and he would he now, would yeah. want anything less from me exactly. you know like he you can't be that. in love with what you do and want to be the if you're really in love with you do with what you do and you're working with great fruit there's no way you can't want to produce a perfect wine or yeah. as close and i don't think any wines are perfect i right. think all we do is get as close as we can. Right. But if I'm not trying to make every wine for the rest of my life as perfect as I possibly can, then what the fuck am I doing here? That that, that was actually like in terms of why partner with Donnie mm -hmm. as the like founding artisan for this concept and this platform that will change an industry. It's because of his obsession on quality, right? And it it, it takes time. Right. And you have to stick with it. And to me, that was like, all right, let's go. You know, I remember the night we were talking about it and, yeah. and we're like, yeah, right. talk, talk, share, 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 share your perspective. Like, 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 like what happened? So like you're at home, Don, did you, did, was, was it a schedule call? Cause Mike seems very creative and impulsive. Did he just call you? Like, I don't remember. Do you remember? Like, 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 I you know, was, uh, there's a certain point at night where I've, I've been drinking. 
I've smoked a bone and I'm like, don't really want to talk to somebody. But then like the call comes through and they're like, it's really creative. And it's like, oh, this is fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> I'm think sorry. This one was <laughs> the middle of the day. This okay, one was okay, the middle of the day. Okay, the middle of the day right? um, and I think he called and he said, uh, I have this great idea. You know, I think you're the perfect uh, medium for this new technology. And he said, do you know what a digital twin is? And I was like, I have no fucking idea what no. you're talking about. Um, and I was skeptical. I was I think you called it voodoo. I did call it voodoo. Like, I was like, I don't, I don't want to associate my wine with this voodoo. Something, something <laughs> D.O. economics. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah. Bueller. Bueller. Uh, Bueller. Yeah. Anyone? Yeah. So good. Um, but then I, I kind of, I don't know. He, he was able to explain it in a well enough manner for me to understand that there is practical usage. Well, and then again, he said, secondary market sales. I was like, shit, sign me up. You there know, you go. That's right. all I need to know. Right, right. Um, but as that went forward I, I it's like owning the publishing on your fucking music it is and you should yeah I think that's you know, it, yeah you should be able to and yeah and and actually blockchain technology is going to help with that as well yeah um but yeah once I kind of I kind of dove in head first and you know bought some nfts we and, should tell them that board ape story which yeah because I know because you bought how we ended up with didn't, board didn't, apes. You, didn't you buy did, so you have a pretty you have a pretty you bought a uh, nft yeah, that that's I was I was uh, I was fortunate enough to be in company of yeah. of, of greatness in the NFT early yeah. space. We have we have a partner who likes to remain anonymous, who's an elite blockchain developer, and he was very early in on the Board Ape community because he saw what was forming there, and he was super excited about it. And Donnie and I got very fortunate that he gave us each one nice. at, a, at an early stage yeah. and that was like we watched it become valuable yeah. Yeah. you know it did the yeah and they're a really interesting platform they're you know have a huge runway now they're yeah. very very creative and they're kind of holding the standard for the industry and, right now yeah but it's the way that they so the nfts that we have were actually inspirational, like bringing those to life, because that's one of the benefits of being a board ape owner is you actually have the commercial rights to because everyone uh, is unique, uh, right? You can't use their brand and you can't, right, you know, makes, but you yeah. have commercial rights to your unique set of traits to make t-shirts, to make hats. And we're like, let's make a fucking great wine. Yeah. And that's uh essentially what we did it stayed in barrel for an extra 19 months and it's only for rare liquid members all right yeah, yeah. and you got to pause let the winemaker <laughs> talk about what he did i like mike mike is into it i love that man he's like yeah he's, no, like, he's, he's educating he himself is. on the wine side he's like stayed yeah. in the barrel through the extra yeah that's actually both sides you know we want people from the wine side to come in and this is a safe place to learn about where the world is going and then on the on the I love that. crypto side, like That's these, why my these black are kids. Ass is here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, but also like the community teaching each other around around about wine. You know, yeah. we have a master Psalm who's part of our founding team named Des Echeverry, great guy out of Napa. And it's really about the next generation yeah. of consumers and collectors because the appetite is there, but the medium is the message. You yeah. know? That's what Tim Leary said. And I firmly believe that. Like yeah. they can relate to this. So Tell them about how you yeah, made so the like, juice. Like, yeah, so like, so like, um, I called it grape juice because 
the all wine. We is, were gonna make it a mystery, but I guess that cat's out of the bag. No, he didn't. No, I, ben <laughs> probably, <laughs> I mean, we, we, I mean, you we, know. we'll release this when we want to release this. That's another right? thing. Yeah. So yeah. Let's, right. let, let's talk about. Let's, let's fuck, talk I mean, about like, that's it. It's true. fucking ape juice. It's fucking it's ape, ape juice. juice. Yeah. It's ape juice. It's ape juice. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, this, and actually, Jeb's already scored it. Okay. I think it was ninety. Six, he got a 96, 96 points. That's, that's, and I feel like it was probably dinged because, because it was called because well, yeah. <laughs> He's like, what is this voodoo? I I'm mean, like, I can't. I, I there's mean, no way he could have objectively reviewed that. That's what I'm saying. It's impossible. And I said this before. He, he actually said, ape juice really classes it exactly, up, aren't you? Right, exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. Okay, Indiana. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Westberg had got a 96. I was like, this is, not, this is way better than 96 points. I think yeah, did he, yeah. He, he got, yeah Westbrook, the one that you uh, made. Yeah, but by the way, the 2020 yeah. was a tough year across the board. Well, we already know, man. We, 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 just yeah, talked, right, right. we, we talked about, about we talked yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and, that, and that's we we said that earlier. Yeah, that's yeah. why I brought these wines to show that you know because with, that I mean I was even talking with Jeremy um, on the way in. Just we we're talking about like you know the, the 2020s, like um, you know like uh, the scores were down. Um, you know, everything is perception and like I you know, my understanding is critics caught like one whiff one wine had some smoke taint and they started and viewing the whole region through that lens. Yeah, and it's and it's a reasonable thing sense. to not go crazy. And and also coming off nineteen, which is probably one of our best vintages we well, for me the best vintage I've ever seen in Paso Robles. Um so you expect a little fall off anyway from the scores. You know, you can't have two thousand nineteen every year. Right. But the ape juice that we're referring to is 2019 vintage so it is from that that year where everything just grew so well um and it was two of uh it was something i'd kind of wanted to do i wanted to play kind of like we do with the westbergs the zinfandel with some tempranillo and some some petite also i wanted to kind of kind of see what syrah would do with with zinfandel so i ended up kind of cherry picking two of my favorite barrels that would have gone into the Claude's Cuvée before it was blended. So they were kind of Syrah-based wines. Mm -hmm. um, and then two of these Zintemp wines that would have gone into the Westberg cellars, and I blended them together. So this is kind of a, really a mishmash, but intentional mishmash of uh, Syrah, Zinfandel, a little bit of Grenache, Tempranillo, a little bit of Petite Syrah. Um, but I really like the way that you taste wines. it yet. Have you tasted it yet? No, I, I, I mean, we'll, we'll, I, I got a bottle. I didn't well, remember we'll, we talked about. I didn't, we'll open some tomorrow. Oh, sorry. We'll open some tomorrow. My bad. Um, yeah. but yeah. And then, and one of the effects that cool. of that was, y'all uh, know, I got it. Y'all know, y'all know me. You know, I had a bottle of that shit. <laughs> Mike's just me. Everybody fucking Cut. knows. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> just, just. Zip it. Zip. Uh, <laughs> knew it. Knew it. Uh, and yeah. just one more thing, hand fucking delivered. Okay, I digress. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not proving provenance on that one though. We yeah, don't know what exactly. you got. That was it. a cool night, by the way. Cool. I had such a good time hanging out with you. That and night. I got a, I got a, I got a deck I want to share with you because I got some other places. If you want to do some December, that could be really cool. Too. Yes. So we'll, yes. Well, after we finish this up, I, I discovered I like Riesling, and I'm proud. That you should night. be proud. That, that, you remember what we drank that night? That they, there was there was a Riesling flight, yeah. And there was a German that had like honey flavors. I was like, yeah. this is oh yeah. And man. people are like, do you like sweet Riesling? Yeah. It was I don't know if that was you sweet. Should, no, you should you should stick to talking about tech. Yeah, but they were trying. <laughs> Fuck up, Donald. Uh, pass me that uh, that uh, that bottle of wine over there that the I can't cuvee? that the, the cuvee that so, I can't remember the name of right now. Last thing on the ape, on the ape juice. Of alcohol. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the unexpected things that happened with that wine is when I did put those wines together. It did increase the tannin level between the petite and the Syrah, 
So it was a little bit more tannic than what I would like. So we decided to leave it in barrel for an extra year. So it was a 30-month barrel aged um, instead of our typical 22. And, you know, from a, from a uh, collective collector standpoint, it's good to have that extra tannin because people can hold on to it and yeah. it down the line. Yeah. I just felt like another year in barrel would benefit yeah. the wine. That's so. all All the ape juice is rare liquids. We have a, we have a one um, Salamanzar. I think it's nine liters and 14 Methuselahs. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even know. I know those names, but like I can never. Six liters and nine liters. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. matter. This shit right here. Go back to this, Don. This is singing. It's worth drinking. It's worth drinking. But, mm. you know, beyond the fact that it'll get you drunk. Oh, the Westberg? <laughs> yeah. You're on the Westberg. No, no. no I'm, oh, you're on the Willows. I'm, on the Will- I'm back on the Willows, Willows man. Yeah. Mm. Oh, good Lord. So the Willows is kind of one of my favorite wines every year because Grenache kind of gets overlooked. You know, everybody's Syrah is just always so big and yeah. and noticeable and dark. And um, the Willows every year is one of my favorite wines. And uh, it's finally starting to, people are starting to catch on. You know, they used to think that it was because it was less expensive than the G2. It was maybe like my second tier wine. Right, and it's, right. it's only based on what I pay for the grapes. You know, I'm not like picking my favorite wines. I treat it the same way. I I, you know, take care of it the I same mean, you're way. A business, I mean, it is the wine business too. People need to understand yeah, that, right? Yeah. So like, we, if, you gotta, you know, I have to stay in business. If, or if, I can't if, keep otherwise, we can't wine. keep drinking these fucking wines if you exactly. don't stay in business. Exactly. But yeah, so I'm happy <laughs> that the, the, the Willis Cuvée is finally catching on and people are starting to really appreciate it for what it is. Because Grenache is, is such a special grape and it, it, it deserves wear recognition. My, I love Grenache hat, but. Would you tell them about Willow's Cuvée and, the, and the, did you already talk about your yeah. daughter? And you, and did you, oh yeah, we mm-hmm. talked about. Willow, we talked about her. How Willow is a, little bit, uh, yeah. is, uh, a little, I know she's uh, obviously, you get to live with two amazing women. I do, I do. Pretty know? fortunate. And Pretty fortunate. Uh, they remind me every day. Um, and the serendipity of Willow's creek road i mean that's just so fucking yeah that's true when i uh when when my wife claudia was pregnant we were trying to figure out names you know we found out it was gonna be a girl okay but you know what shit just hit so claude's cuvee is that a short for claudia's cuvee that is named for her father okay yeah i was figured she was like she was named after her father because i was like okay yeah she was named after her father and he was a white marlin captain out of uh, ocean city maryland Okay. So that's the. Uh, and well, I've seen her. Line. I know. I know her dad was white. I'm. I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you talking about the, There's actually a fish. Uh, right the same uh, you, I see what you did there. <laughs> I see what you did there. You see what I did there? You know, those, those black wine guys. Why is all wine? <laughs> They're always making jokes. Always making white jokes. Always making white. Jokes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but my my wife picked the name Willow. While we were still in Florida before Willow was born. And then we oh, moved back. That. She realized that I grew up on Willow Creek Road in Willow Creek District. You know, she had no idea about any of those ties. Oh, my God. So, like, you know, we have to. We, like, I make any decisions here. But we have to do some large formats of that for rare liquid just for your daughter, man. Come we on. can't get any more from him. He's like, yeah. <laughs> so I'll go on to my <clears throat> club. Well, like, well, give us a, a taste. In the, for, in the future. In the future, got a yeah. plan for <laughs> yeah. And, uh. You no, know, that would be a great one. Uh, this the, the label and a magnum, dude. Yeah. You talk about well, white we do burgundy. Have, we actually do have magnums of oh, that yeah. wine from 2019 for rare liquid. Do you have the one in the magnums, tasting room right now? I do because I have the magnum of the of the. I do. I, I believe I have a Westberg mag, a Plum mag, and I believe I haven't I'm seen. Like, I have the Westberg and the Plum. I don't. I don't have the. I may the not. Might, it yet. might be at the facility. But the but, label 
and the the animation that they that we put together on yeah the, the artist did a really good job yeah I was gonna so ask nice. so this is all Dane like the font the turtle rock the beautiful font so uh, the font I actually okay or had, had to begin with so he kind of based some of the styles of the art based on the font so for me the it's another thing that stuck it's, around it's a little like it's got it's, it has a calligraphy almost. Um, Leans towards like a Japanese, like it has without a doubt, Asian, yeah, like a like an Asian paintbrush, pa- paintbrush stroke, stroke yeah, absolutely uh, feel, which I think is dope. Um, yeah, uh, but he he does he do like the the, the, the everything, the yeah. Okay. And the, the animator is a guy named Lawrence Jackson, out of Bristol, England. Shout out to Bristol. What's up, Bristol? <laughs> <laughs> Things you've never heard before on the Black, the Black Wine Guys Screams uh, podcast. Honestly, such Shout a cool to town. Such a cool town. What's his name again? His name's, Lawrence, his name's Lawrence Jackson. It sounds like a brother. He probably isn't, but like, you know, in my mind, Lawrence Jackson's like, hey man, I'm Lawrence Jackson. He's not that. I know. But he, He's my brother Samuel. <laughs> He's an unbelievably talented animator, and he worked with Dane to bring them to life. And it, to me, like he he got it, and like it, it's just the timing of it, and the animation's beautiful. Yeah, they did so a great job. They did re- really good job. That's this thing that's cool when you go back to the, not to derail this, but the the fact that it's a crazy too, too too late. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing's been one derailment. We went off the rails before I mean, you got here. I mean, exactly. we got derailed at ten thirty. We're getting picked up. Like, hey man, my uh, the battery on my car is fucked up. No, but it's yeah. so, so cool. You think about it. You have Donnie, the producer. Yep. You have Dane, who's the key art creator, and you yep. have Lawrence, who's the animator, who brings it to life, and they can all participate. Right. That's yeah. the key. In order for things to scale, you need to have aligned incentives and they're there. Yeah. And just to me, it's making the, the art piece is really important, you know, because to me, that's what's going to build the market. The commodity, this will all be commoditized. That's fine. Right. But the way to the mass market is through beauty, you know, and simplicity. You know, that's where we're going. Oh, shit. I, we might. Just that was stop heavy. There. We, <laughs> we've been talking for over three hours. You've only been here Holy for about an hour. But like, but like, OK, but like. That, yeah, I got like, actual work to do today. That was actually, <laughs> that's a great place to end. Um, yeah. Hey, um, first of all, um, Don, tell people how they can find you, how they can, well, how they can get on the waiting list for Turtle Rock. Sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, just turtlerockvineyards.com. And Mike, uh, tell everybody how they can learn more and be a part about what you and Don are creating with Rare Liquid sure, Society. Sure, you, you can check out rareliquid.club. C-L-U-B. Right now, we're releasing what's called the Founders Club. Uh, there's 560 total. Fit. We're invite only, which means that you have to know somebody that's involved with the project. There's currently... Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I'm someone you might want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we, we, we have uh, 150 owners, and um, they're members, and they're people that really are supporting the vision and, and the community, and we're going to 560. I expect these to be sold out by the end of the year. There's three levels. We really designed it to appeal to people of all budgets, you know, because we really want it to be widely adopted. And, you know, diversity is really important. You know, we want this. is we, We're not trying to recreate the old paradigm. This is a new world, and we really want to push the boundaries. So if you are interested in learning more, reach out to MJ. You know, we'll create an invite code for you, and we're happy to talk to anybody at this stage, especially if you're, like, from the wine world and you have interesting perspective we'd love to talk to you we've got yeah. so we're going to do six drops next year donnie's our founding artisan we're figuring out what we have a champagne that i'm really excited about yeah that, that's, oh, we nice. only have 125 bottles of it but um what a special 
Hey, yeah. man, I mean... I'm going to mention it right now, yeah. just so we have it. it it's, it, you know, we might not talk about it yet or release it, but it's called uh, Champagne Paul Lenoir. It's from his very first vintage, 2015. He's out of Champagne. It's imported by Des Echeverry. Um, it's a grower champagne, it's a grower, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Single vineyard. Single vineyard. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And it's we only have 125. And the thing that's so cool is his wife, Sarah, does hand-painted boxes, yeah, for, all wood they, boxes, hand painted, yeah, designed by her. Which is which? What? Which is like? I love this whole concept, man. That what you're what you're doing here, guys, because, um, you know, the humility of the winemaker is I'm a farmer, but what you produce in the bottle is art. And yeah, and the, the the way that we think about it is, it starts with supply. It starts with the producer. Because the collectors can see quality, exactly. right? And so it's yeah. like artisans first. That's why we built it around his needs. You know, what makes this work for you? You know, why, why would you want to participate? It takes time, but it's, 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 we're making beautiful. The team that's Great forming headway. around this right now is just really inspiring and humbling. Like Kit, Kit Kuiper over there, who's, you know... A great winemaker. Shout out to Kit. Shout out to Lisa. Yeah. Welch in the house. A hundred percent. Everybody. Everybody. And Erica. Shout out to Frame here. Perfect Media. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Growing yeah, and yeah. growing. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. We're, really. You know, I really appreciate you, you showing up. I'm an old man, so like you, you, like literally, I have a daughter older than you. But like to see you, like you, like literally, your your maturation in the two years. Since and your like, professionalism. Yeah. I have to say, your follow up and just is very clear, and you're a pleasure to work with. Yeah. So thank. Did you know that one out of every five bottles of collectible wine is a fake rare liquid has solved this problem with a tech platform that provides unprecedented trust and transparency for next gen wine collectors working directly with iconic artisans they verify each bottle's provenance at its source then track its rarity ownership storage and transfer history on the blockchain Rare Liquid members get exclusive access to these verified rare wines and can buy, store, and pimp their collections on the Rare Liquid platform. Membership includes physical seller storage as well as cloud sellers where you can display and trade bottles frictionlessly online without ever having to move the bottle until it's ready to be consumed. And because Rare Liquid tracks these on the blockchain, for the first time, artisans get a residual payment every time one of their bottles transfers ownership. Rare Liquid's game-changing tech creates a safe and frictionless experience for next-gen collectors while fairly rewarding iconic artisans for their craft. Rare Liquid membership is by invite only, but luckily I can help. I have a limited number of these invitations available for you, my listeners. And if you're interested in learning more about Rare Liquid, please reach out. You can hit me up on Instagram, at BlackWineGuy, or even better, send me an email blackwineguy at gmail.com and drop rare liquid in the subject line. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list. <laughs>